You are tuned in to Wrestling with Wednesdays, presented by the 1334 Show. Well, it's another Wednesday. You know what that means. It's uh, AEW Dynamite against WWE's NXT head-to-head. And it's uh, Wrestling with Wednesdays on the 1334 show. I'm Brian the Brain. And nope, uh, Steven hasn't been fired like uh, Eric Bischoff got fired from SmackDown. He's here. Hey, Steven. Hi, I'm Steven. And it's way past my bedtime. Yeah, it's right past both of our bedtimes, uh, but we do it for you, our fans. We watch a lot of wrestling on Wednesday, so you don't have to. You can hear this review. What we're going to do is we're going to run down each card, and then at the end we're going to say who went over, whether it was NXT or AEW Dynamite. So, without further ado, let's jump on in. And let's talk about first the AEW Dynamite. So, show starts off rather explosively, not to use a pun, well, I guess I just did, uh, because uh, SCU's come into the ring. They get attacked by the Lucha Brothers, who I thought was LAX with, you know, Luchador masks. I don't know. I guess that's racist. I just want to say, this goes back to a text thread. Topher asked if one one wrestler was a part of the Lucha House Party, and you said, no, they're not all the same, you racist. Well, guess what just happened? You became Topher and said if the Lucha Bros were LAX. Yeah, well, they had on masks, so maybe they're the same wrestlers. We don't know. They're in masks. That's the great thing about masked wrestlers. You can substitute them in and out. Maybe Jericho comes out in a mask again. He's done it before. All I'm saying is... What is it? Uh, Pentagon Jr. is also like a foot and a half taller than both people of LAX. So uh, The boots can change up things. But anyway, <laughs> they come out and attack SCU. Uh, Christopher Daniels gets put out, carried out. Uh, this is where they're sort of breaking kayfabe again because all of a sudden, like, the Young Bucks come out. And I'm like, you know, is it like, you know, the Young Bucks... Are they and like they're, SCU both heels or I what? Think, or? I think they're playing the executive roles, but they're playing it while they have their wrestling attire on because they are also in charge of the tag division within AEW. That's the problem with having the boys run the show. Because you, you blur those lines a lot and you don't know what you're getting. At least Cody stays off of television for the most part. Unless he's needed for for something. But the Young Bucks shouldn't be the team that goes out there. You know, if you had, like, some backstage officials like your Dean Malinkos and stuff show up, for sure, fine. But you don't show other talent because you don't know what they're necessarily doing. Right, because, like, let's say they need to feud or something. Oh, oh we all care about each other because we're all boys. And I don't know. I think it pulls too much of the curtain back. And we have to suspend disbelief a little bit and... With them, you know, coming out, oh, we're concerned executives, but, you know, you're maybe going to wrestle them, you know, as a tag team, you know, competition. So, I don't know. Anyway, so, uh, Scorpio Sky comes in. He subs out for uh, Christopher Daniels to take on, ugh, the best friends. So, uh, at some point, Scorpio Sky loses a shoe. I think one of the best friends rips off the shoe and throws it in the crowd. Then the crowd becomes more interested in the shoe and the fact that Scorpio Sky is wrestling with one shoe. They start making that a chant. Uh, best friends, uh, to, you know, steal something from our last episode, uh, where we were talking about sucking toes or something because Roach was on the show and... You know, his Twitter feed is, like, a total, like, perverted mess. But anyway, somehow we talked about eating toes, so they were biting uh, Scorpio Sky's foot. Uh, then the crowd really popped the loudest of the whole match when he threw out his other shoe. Then someone in the crowd threw the shoe back, and that got an even bigger pop. So this was all about Scorpio Sky's shoe and foot, for what I can remember of the match. Literally, all I got was the Best Coast Boogeyman had to be separated so Scorpio Sky could get some shine. And then really big, I wrote, 
They cared about the shoe. There was also the pop for the best friend hug. Uh, they interrupted the hug first. Then they did a couple more moves and they got to do the hug. So that got some cheers. Um, when it's all said and done, SCU got the win. Uh. Uh, this tag team tournament has been so lackluster. You, I guess you could say you started it out strong with... You know, uh, who was the private party beating the Young Bucks? But in retrospect, this tag tournament just doesn't seem special at all. Like, it almost just, like, each match doesn't even seem like they're, it's in a tournament. It's almost like, oh, it's a tag match on the show. I think the problem is, like, if you weren't a knowledgeable viewer, you're not invested in anyone. Who are these people? Why do I like you? Why do I not like you? What's your story? What's the rivalry? We just have a bunch of guys coming out that don't even look like tag teams because none of them are in the same gimmick. It's, I don't know, it's just sort of weird. So, anyway, that's how we started off the show. Then uh, we get, apparently, not the Lucha Bros. It's uh, Santana and Ortiz, formerly LAX, uh, part of the Inner Circle. They come out against a couple of jobbers, Silver and Reynolds. Just a good old-fashioned squash match. Nothing to really report. You know, the jobbers really didn't get any offense. Santana and Ortiz, you know, just crushed them, I guess, to establish themselves as part of the inner circle and a dangerous team. And see, this is maybe what we should have had before the tournament started for all the tag teams some build and explanation of who these people are, what their moveset is, what their backstory is, so then we can invest. So maybe the tag team tournament shouldn't have started till like next month or something, I don't know. But uh, anything you have on that jobber match? Uh, LAX, they are billed to be important because they're on impact, but they're not even like the original LAX of Homicide and Super Mex Hernandez. Like, this LAX does nothing for me. It's almost as if they don't fit. It's like they want to be the Barrio version of the Briscoes. They want to be... They want to be thugs and gangsters, and they dress like the Usos, but they're not... They're, I, they're, they're missing a lot, and I don't know what it is. And People seem to really like them. There hasn't been anything that gravitated me towards them, and it has nothing to do with their kid. There's just something missing. Whether it's in ring psychology, I'm not, I'm not getting it. The the gimmick itself, like, again, you're the wrong people for that. I, I, I there's something missing there. And you know, uh, the other thing about Inner Circle, um, it's sort of weird that I'm not sure how they combine. So why do we have LAX Santana and Ortiz with Jericho? And with, uh, what's his face? Sammy uh, Guevara and Jake Hager. Yeah, it doesn't combine. Like, why are these people even wanting to hang out with each other? Now, maybe Sammy Guevara, because at least you could have the whole Latino thing again. But Jericho and Jack Swagger, you know. I <laughs> uh, See, I knew Jake Hager came in as the enforcer for Jericho. Makes sense. Sammy Guevara showed up as a young, like, pompous asshole to attack Cody because he had a match with Cody and it helped Jericho. I get that three. The LAX thing, I think you just need a tag team to form a faction, and there you go. I think it was more of like copy and paste. Like, I just, I, I don't... You just need some people to be put together and here Yeah, that was it. And yeah. it was, you know, it's funny is he cut that promo, it was like, it was stupid, it was dumb creative, and it was a, it was a dumb decision, and I just look at them, I was like, oh, well, there you go. <laughs> That's maybe his opinion of how I got thrown together with him. Well, next match, uh, AEW Women's Title Match. Riho against Brett Baker DDS. You know, pretty uneventful match given that it was like Women's World Title Match. Um, you know, lots of close pins. Uh, you know, Baker uh, got her move, which I never knew her finishing move was called a lockjaw. You know, makes sense for Dennis. But then Rio reversed it into a pin. Meh. I 
I ate Wingstop for dinner, and I took a shit during this match. <laughs> Rio is garbage as a champion, and I can't buy her as a champion, so I have zero interest. And I'm sorry, Britt Baker is, is awesome. She's, you know, I like her. I really do. I, I think she's fantastic. But Rio as a champion really is a turnoff for me in that women's division. It makes no sense. It's not good booking. But, you know. Again, I took shit. I used maybe, I used the special Charmin two-ply, I guess. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, wrestling. Yeah, uh, next match. Right, yeah. You know, and uh, hopefully this isn't going to bring back the trend of women's matches being our bathroom breaks, like the battle I, days of WWE. I think AEW has such a lackluster women's division, it, it could be. And it's not, it's not a knock on women's wrestling. It's just the talent pool that AEW has. Well, speaking of talent pool, next we got the Lucha Bros against Jungle Boy and Marco Stunt. Okay, time out. I have been very, very high. Before we get started here, I've been extremely high on Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Obviously, Luchasaurus got ridden out, I guess, because yeah. I heard Marco Stunt's name. Yeah, so I guess apparently there's a he's injured. I'm not sure if it's a real injury. He or got a hit by a comet. <laughs> but so yeah, it's Marco Stunt and Jungle Boy. So the only the only notes I have here is Jim Ross really has something on commentary that sells for Jungle Boy is instead of calling him Jungle Boy, call him Jungle Jack Perry. Throw out that name so people are like, oh, that's Luke Perry's son. Get the mate. The people who don't watch wrestling, they're like, oh, I know Luke Perry. There's, oh, that's his son. Oh, neat, really cool. And I and it just rolls off the tongue. Jungle Jack, Jungle Jack Perry, or Jungle Boy Jack Perry. It all sounds really good, and it could build him like further. I think he does need Luchasaurus though, because he's very promising. But his role is to play. The baby face that takes the ass whooping to tag in Luchasaurus. And, you know, uh, JR also did a good job of explaining Marco's stunt to people. Because, you know, he looks like a 12-year-old boy. Who is this guy in the ring? And why are the Lucha Bros selling to him? He started off the match saying, hey, don't adjust your screens. This is Marco's stunt. And he explained how he's subbing. And like then it was like you know the classic uh, David versus Goliath. Uh, I think he got too much offense in to be legit, like you know on the Lucha Bros. But you know when it was all said and done, they crushed him. They got the win. It lasted a little longer than it should have, but you know I guess they wanted to establish Marco Stunt as something to be respected, which I just can't. Sorry. Yeah, Marco Stunt. I just, I don't I don't know what it, what it his uh, someone lost their twelve year old boy at a at a Kroger, and <laughs> they need to, you know, page the the intercom people. You know, the first time I saw him, I thought of the guy that tag teamed with uh uh and WWE with for the tag team championship with. Braun Strowman. Nicholas? Nicholas, it's yes. The, Nicholas looks more manlier than Marco Stunt. Nicholas is literally only 12. And he looks just like Marco Stunt to me. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, and see, at first I thought that was a little girl. So, you know, but, you know I don't know what pronouns we should use. So. You know, today was uh, National Pronoun Day, by the way. I thought it was National Boss Day or something. That too, so pronouns and boss so mm -hmm. <laughs> anyway so uh she hers and hers that matches over uh next matchup okay we get to something actually good uh pack pock i don't know which one and moxley against omega and hangman page um you know it's your usual good match well wrestled omega has his overselling his facials don't match what's going on he starts looking like he's possessed. He does the little power-up video game thing. Uh, they do the spot with like uh, the broom with barbed wire, the bat with barbed wire. I know you had like a beef about the referee. Okay, so my whole thing was this match, if you look at the card, this match should have been main event. 
three out of the four are legitimate stars. One of these things is not like the other. One of these things doesn't belong. And that was Cowboy uh, Hangman, Page. Hangman Page. You know, he's, he doesn't fit in the same breath of Kenny, uh, Moxley, and Pac. He doesn't. Even though I don't like Kenny Omega, and you're right, he's over-animated and everything like that. You know, Hangman Page need to go. My problem with this match is it's worked great. It makes sense all the way up to the end where you see uh, Moxley just not give a fuck because he's trying to he's trying to take out Kenny. Pac's thinking about the wrestling match, but see, here's my point. They both pull out the barbed wire weapons. Moxley hits Omega with the bat, not the barbed wire port. He still hits him in the abdomen with the bat, regardless of how he hit him. That's a disqualification. Yet, the referee frantically freaks out and rolls out of the ring to protect himself, doesn't call the match. Then, Pac comes in, yanks both items from both competitors and throws it out and says, no, focus, I'm trying to win this match. And the ref is like, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Like, my problem, this is the AEW thing. The officiating is bad, and people want to shit on WWE for throwing out a match in Hell in a Cell. That's one match. This match, like, AEW does this every week, where the referees just disregard any kind of stipulation to any basic rules. And this will go on into the main event, and we'll talk about it in a minute, but, like, the officiating pisses me off. Like, it's so bad. Uh, but, one other note, John Moxley does a fantastic job basically selling the promo he said at the beginning of the night. He goes, I don't need your help. I don't care. I'm here to do whatever. I'm going to kick your ass. You don't want to pick a fight with me. You know, and his partner was trying to win the match. Uh, partner was looking out for him and himself. Moxley said, screw it. Gave him the gave him the double bird and then hit him with the dirty deeds. Rolls out, tries his best little Stone Cold Steve Austin thing. That's nah, not as cool, but I appreciate the fact that you held on to it and you, you kept it going. It looked good. Yeah, in my notes, I said Mox Code, because he gave him the double <laughs> finger and, you know, put his finisher on and then left Pac there to take everyone's finisher and get pinned. You know, uh, so, you know, decent match. Uh, don't understand why the referee just throws up his hands and rolls out the ring to let chaos happen. I've never seen that before. So, anyway, well, next we have our main event, which, you know, Darby Allen in the main event, but whatever. So, 22-year-old, because uh, the announcers kept on pushing that, 22-year-old Darby Allen versus Chris Jericho for the AEW Heavyweight Championship. Uh, JR made a point of talking about how Darby Allen was growing up watching Chris Jericho. So, he knows everything about Jericho, yet Jericho knows nothing about Darby Allen because, you know, Jericho's too important to ever figure out who Darby Allen is. So he comes in unprepared for this opponent, and is that arrogance going to cost him? So that was a good sort of build for the match. My thing was, and you brought up a very valid point to me before we got on air, was when we were watching the show, you had some heat with the match itself, and I agree with you, and I think both of you and I had the same thought process, but you brought it to light and you explained it. What was your beef with the match? Well, for one, it was a Philly street fight. So why is your world champion in a street fight match with someone he's never really crossed paths with? I mean, they had one interaction last week, you know, but a street fight should be reserved for something that's been building over time. There's a lot of hatred. It's time to kill each other because we've had multiple matches. You've jumped me in the back. You've cost me this title. Whatever it is, there has to be something major where now we need to kill each other in this street fight. Hey, it's our first match ever. Hey, let's have a street fight. And it's, you know, Jericho's not a street fight type of wrestler. You know, Darby Allen kind of, because he's, you know, one of those indie people. I'm sure he's had those matches with, you know, light poles and all sorts of sh bullshit like that. But... Anyway, so this is a Philly street fight match. That really isn't because all they did is they used a Kindle stick. There was a steel chair at one point. There was a spot with Darby Allen's skateboard. Even the crowd started chanting, we want street fight. Clap, 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 clap. Because 
really wasn't a street fight. It was just a match with some other little chaos, and the refs blew it again. So, my my problem with the officiating is it's a street fight. Why is there a rope break in the street fight? Twice. They did it twice, but then later on in the match, Jericho ties his hands, ties Darby Allen's hands behind his back. You know, if he gets his body under the under the thing, wouldn't that be a rope break? Oh, we're just gonna ignore it because his body went under the ropes twice, two or three times. They didn't break it then. They were like, oh, so he dragged him in the. The, the officiating just doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't follow just normal ins and outs of normal wrestling psychology and wrestling rule book stuff. Yeah, if you have a street fight and you can use duct tape, you can use a chair, you can use a Kindle stick. Okay, if he puts the walls on and the guy reaches the rope, he doesn't have to break the walls. What's he going to do? Get disqualified? He just used a freaking Kindle stick. Uh, then he put on like a Boston Crab. Once again, reach the ropes and the ref's all in his face about breaking it. I want to broke it. It's just bad, you know, bad booking. It doesn't make sense. You know, I was sort of cool with the duct tape. You know, uh, it was funny that JR is like, hey, I've never seen this before in all my years. I guess he forgot, like, mankind with his uh, hands uh, uh, handcuffed behind his back as he was taking the chair shots. And I was excited. Because Jericho came in the ring with a chair with Darby Allen's hands tied behind his back with the duct tape. I'm like, oh, hell, is he about to take a chair shot to the head unprotected? No, he swung and missed, and I'm like, boo. I will say, though, Darby Allen did some unique and cool stuff with his hands taped behind his back. Like, he, he has this ability to do stuff. I never want to see him in another main title match again. He has no business being in those matches. I don't care if he's 22. I don't care if he's like... You don't put a title on the line for that. He's the guy who gets squashed. He has no business looking like a legitimate threat. But, you know, he missed the chair shot. He turned around, did a drop kick to this chair. He did a, like a, uh, what was it? Like a corkscrew with his hands tied and caught Jericho. He looked good doing all that weird, unique stuff. But the only other note I had is because... Darby Allen does not look like a championship caliber star. He looks like a deathmatch carnival wrestler. But for the first time, I think, Jericho actually looks like a heavyweight. Yeah. <laughs> he looked like a heavyweight champion. Yeah, he, he looked like he was, you know, as uh, Roach would say, he was able to put his weight on him. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, one other thing that irks me always about AEW since it's the boys running the show, everyone wants to get their shit in and everyone wants to put each other over. Why is Jericho having so much trouble with a Darby Allen? If you are the superstar, you are Chris Jericho, guess what? He didn't win the match clean. He needed help from Hager coming in. Hager, like, hits Darby Allen uh, when the referee's back is turned on the ring apron. Once again, did the referee even need their back turned? Because... It is a street fight, so I guess anything goes. So I guess the whole inner circle could have came and beat the hell out of Darby Allen if they wanted to. But anyway, he hits um, Jericho, you know, hits a finisher and gets the pin. And I'm like, well, why does Jericho need help with Darby Allen? And I think they were trying to establish legit heel heat, but then I'm surprised Jericho didn't use his veteran knowledge and years of experience to be like, okay, I'm a heel. I am supposed to be this world champion against this guy who has no business being in my league. I could have beaten him, you know, low blowed him with his skateboard, hit him with the code breaker or the Judas effect, knock him out one, two, three, and then you let your goons come out, you celebrate, and as you're celebrating with your champagne, you just beat the crap out of them. There's just, your heel heat. You don't yeah. need to do all that extra crap. Bloody him up, pour the champagne over his bloody body, you know. Something to still establish in a circle, but not at the expense of you being able to get a clean win. Because, man, he got a clean win over uh, Kenny Omega. He got a clean win over... Who else did he win? Hangman Page. Hangman Page. So, like, why does he need help on Darby Allen? Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm... I will go into this probably during when we talk NXT... AEW holds like a very special 
key that NXT should have, but AEW is going to reign supreme with it, and it's there's two elements of it, and we'll talk about it going into uh, NXT because I, that's one of my biggest notes for NXT, and it's something you and I both addressed. Well, that's a good transition. <laughs> so uh, NXT, we'll switch to that because that was the end of the AEW show. So now NXT opens with Ciampa coming out. Uh, he gets a huge ovation. You know, they're chanting, welcome back. You know, I guess, you know, he's not really a heel because he, you know, had an injury. And we like heels even when they're injured heels, I guess. So he comes out, and then his opponent is Angel Garza, who somehow I missed that he even existed. He comes out in Mexican flag pants. Don't get it anyway. Um, Doesn't he rip them off halfway through the match like a stripper? Yeah, he rips them off, you know, very, you know, Chippendale stripper-like. Now, as a gay man, I will say he looked pretty good in the trunks after they were ripped <laughs> off. You know, there was some action hey, going all right, on. All right, all right. But keep, beyond that, you Keep know, the action in the ring, not in the trunks. <laughs> beyond that, uh, it was basically a squash match. Uh, Ciampa, you know, squashed him. Uh, Garza got in a little bit of offense, but, you know, and not much. But then Undisputed Eric came out and... Uh, the main point of Undisputed Era coming out was uh, them giving the announcers a flash drive and telling them, you may want to watch this. So, yeah. yeah, all I got is Ciampa looks good. He he didn't look rusty. Um, you could tell he's protecting himself. There were certain spots where he should have went high but ended up going low. And even when he was trying to, like, protect himself and do different moves and reversals, he really was trying to be very, very delicate with his neck and very, very delicate like with how he was going to go down. You kind of saw those things, and it was small, like small minor things, but you saw it. But he looked good overall. And then, yeah, all I got was flash drive from Undisputed Air. You know, for God's sake, at this point, if he doesn't change his wrestling style, the man just, need, just, you know, the man just needs to retire because... He everything has been broken on him. His neck, his uh, knees. Was it his back at one point? I, I think it's just been legs and then his neck. But, but like I said, you saw him protected. He was doing the very, very big stone cold offense where he had him pinned in the corner. He's stomping him out. He's hitting him with a couple bows and stuff like that. Like he. He did the Stone Cold offense for a little bit. Like, I think he needs to get to the point where he does that. Maybe deliver, you know, a drop toe hold or, like, do a little more rest holds. But get some of that brawler out to protect him and have longevity in his career for, for now. You know, it would be awesome if he comes out in, like, the whole Stone Cold robotic knee braces all the way up his leg and add a neck one where it has his head protected <laughs> <laughs> headgear yeah the headgear so anyway uh next match was um oh the uh flash drive in between the matches when they came back from commercial was a video of the undisputed era standing over the beat-up body of Velveteen Dream. So apparently they beat him up backstage, recorded it, said, you can't mess with us, you embarrass us, this is what happens. And then later we find out that Velveteen Dream will be unable to compete in a uh, championship match next week. So uh, more on that later. But next we get a tag match. Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch versus Imperium, which I'm not going to pronounce these names right, Archner and Barthel? I think it's like Bartholomew and... Eichner? Eichner, yeah, Eichner or something. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just said this looked like a prison battle for the right to rule the Aryan nation, because <laughs> it's like these four basically bald, angry, muscular white guys. See? I'm like, ugh. Uh, they didn't. They're not white trash. They're all European. So I had them as either Hitler's Reich, or uh, the 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 German beer national beer drinking team from Beer Fest. <laughs> so I was like, who's gonna lead the Brotherhood? Uh, you know, good match. There's false finish overkill as usual with a lot of NXT matches. 
of too many false finishes where you could, you know, do a, you know, finish, but it keeps on going. But eventually Imperium uh, gets the win with some, you know, spectacular ending moves. I actually think that match was arguably, it's throughout both shows, that's one of the three best matches I watched amongst both shows. But there's a problem with it. AEW has the brighter presentation and AEW has the key that I think NXT needs. NXT has the same crowd week in and week out. That match went flat a couple times just by the fans. Mm -hmm. It's like they're they're programmed. They know what spots are going to happen. They know what spots to cheer for, when to cheer for them, when to go quiet. It's almost like a New Japan show. And see, it's okay in New Japan because that's just how that culture is over there. But the fact is you're over here. You have a bunch of rowdy, loudmouth fans. It makes a big difference. But with it being at full sale every week, you get the same exact crowd every week. And they just feel like programmed. Nothing seems organic. Nothing seems to last. Like, there were some great cheers and then it went, it fell completely flat and went silent. Yeah, I've had a note like multiple matches went dead silent in the crowd. But then when they have the spots outside, you know here comes NXT chant. When there's a big exchange in the ring, you're going to get the fight forever chant. And it, it, yeah, it's very programmed. Like they could have like this crowd on like, you know, sort of like the old TV shows of the 80s where they had like the canned uh, studio audience noise like... You know, here comes Willis saying dynamite, no, uh, JJ saying dynamite, and the crowd goes, yay! You know, it's yeah. like, uh. Yeah, it just, it seems too programmed, and I'm, I, I think AEW has that, has that key, and that, honestly, the quality of NXT is a lot better than AEW, in-ring-wise, and even promo-wise. But, man, whether I like the AEW fans or not, because the AEW fans are marks for themselves, Fan interaction makes a huge difference in importance of matches. And NXT had some fantastic matches, and that tag match was one of them, but the crowd didn't keep it alive like it should have. You know, yeah, the crowd's much better on the AEW side. And, you know, it kind of reminded me of the old Nitro crowds, because I don't know if it's just because how it looked. Someone even had a Ted Turner head. Oh, yeah, they had the Ted Turner fat head. <laughs> and I, I agree with you. I started noticing it tonight. Like, I think it's the lighting and the presentation of the arena. And I also said the camera quality is not as sharp as WWE's. So it has that, like, smoky kind of look to it. So it does look very WWE-esque. Or, or WCW-esque. Okay. Like, it, it, it looks like it. And it does remind me of it. Um, the crowd, in right no, Nitro it was too hot. But, like... I guess the way it looks on television, it can remind you of Nitro. Still a hotter crowd than some of the crowds you get from other WWE. I events. would say it, it, it's it is because it's new new car in town. It'll probably become a WWE crowd in about a month month and a half. Well, speaking of something that's not WWE for sure, uh, the next AEW match was Io Shirai against Oh NXT. Yeah, sorry NXT. Uh, you know. NXT crowd, uh, Io Shirai versus Caden Carter. The thing about this is I thought this felt very like Will Ospreay was booking it because they did a lot of gymnastics and didn't hit each other for a whole exchange that went way too long with the flippy flippy, no contact, no impact. And you know, the crowd went silent again. This was also basically a squash, but eventually Io Shirai got, you know, a moonsault. But, you know, I could have put this match over on AEW. It, you know, didn't really fit what I feel a NXT match should be. Uh, at the end of the match, after she pins Caden Carter, uh, Rhea Ripley comes out, interrupts an Io Shirai promo. And Ripley says, get your, get my name out your mouth or I'll get it out your mouth for you. And then, you know, Shirai says something in Japanese off mic and walks away. Yeah, I think Io Shirai looks great. Um, and I know she's a very physical wrestler. So when I saw this happening, because I know she's a, either her or Caden's a former gymnast. You had the same note that I had. I said, it's literally another Young Bucks or Offspray match. 
And I've never seen that kind of match on NXT. I, I, I think I was just like, I was so lost for words because I'm watching them just flip around and roll around and not contact each other for the first, I want to say, 45 seconds to a, maybe two minutes. It was a couple minutes. Yeah. yeah, like it went with no physical contact other than flipping around in reversals and everyone's landing on their feet, no selling it. It's a gymnastic show. Um, so, but Io Shirai looks good. She looks like a star, but of course, my new female crush on NXT, Rhea Ripley, who is the star, just comes out, cuts the promo like you said, looks great, and then you see Io, uh, Io Shirai just take a powder out of the ring after speaking something. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, and I think uh, definitely Ripley's a star. I can see that coming, that, you know, she's going to get a big push pretty soon. So, speaking of pushes, uh, someone that had the crowd eating out of his hands. Keith Lee, Dallas product Keith Lee, comes out against Gijer Volkovic, or how it, do you say his name? It's, they say Don, Don, his name is Dominic Dijakovic or whatever. Ugh. It's Donovan Dijak. Sorry, it's always going to be Donovan Dijak. And Keith Lee, I, he's a personal friend of mine. He has been since MPX. He has been. I was there when he won his first title in VIP in Arlington. That's my man, 50 grand. Uh, I knew he was going to be over. But to have exactly what you said, the crowd eating out of his hand. And he, he, didn't, he didn't even pose. He wasn't even doing his posing. They just started going... Yeah, they had their chance. Oh, bask in his glory. Oh, bask in his glory. It was great. And uh, so, yeah, they were chanting the whole time. It was a good match. He has some great moves for a big man. Uh, you know, good power match between two big guys. Probably a Vince McMahon type of dream match. You know, two big bruiser guys you know, hitting each other, but then you get some of the flippy in that Keith Lee can do. The only bad thing about the match, it was interrupted by Roddy Strong, rather than let the match finish organically, so it ends up sort of stopping the match, but here's where, you know, we get some revenge on Roddy Strong being a heel, so he gets his comeuppance, uh, when, uh, what's-his-face comes out? Uh, uh, I almost said Stephen William Regal, same guy. Yeah, William, William Regal, Regal comes Regal out. Comes out and explains, okay, Roddy Strong, you want to jump your opponent for what you were supposed to have, your North American title match, and this was the match that was replacing that. The winner was going to get him. So guess what? Next week you get both Keith Lee and the other guy's name who I can't pronounce. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... Just, I don't know, with Keith Lee watching him, it's almost like watching Samoa Joe again, but he reminds me a lot of Vader. Like a modern day Vader. He just, he he can be physically demanding of somebody, but then have this like athletic finesse to him where he could do these flips and kind of sell a certain way, or you watch him roll around that big guys usually don't do. Keith has blossomed into something I didn't expect him to. And we used to stay up till 3 o'clock in the morning back when X and Y and Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire came out for Pokemon and just played and battled for hours on end. We were, just, we were buds. And he was a good big guy over here in Dallas. Now he's just like he's an actual star now. Like he looks good. And NXT is like clearly behind this man by just video packages, promos, and the crowds eating out of his hand. Right, so good for him. I'm happy for him. Uh, now, this is where my mind starts to wander because I've had too much wrestling and there's too many matches they seem to pack into these NXT cards. Like, they could maybe half the matches and There's a okay. lot. There's a lot of content <laughs> on NXT and sometimes I feel that hurts them almost because they're almost doing the AEW thing of trying to get everyone in. Sometimes you don't need to. Right, especially when it's squash matches, because here's another one. We got the bro. Matt Riddle comes out against some dude named Bronson Reed, who I've never heard of or seen. <laughs> and I said, 
He looks like the love child of Samoa Joe and Otis. <laughs> Samoa and Otis. Yeah, so just a squash match. match. Matt Riddle squashes him. That's all I got. I don't, I don't pay attention beyond that. <clears throat> um. Next? Yeah. <laughs> that's all, that's well, all I got. Here's another next. Uh, Tanara versus Tegan Knox. I don't... Tegan Knox got hurt. Uh, she came back. This was her return, I guess. And everyone was all joyous and stuff. She came out. She squashed uh, my fellow Brazilian. Uh, she squashed her. And then, what was it? Smiley, Kylie. What's it? What Dakota Kai. Dakota Kai comes out to, to, you know, congratulate her and welcome her back. And they're interviewing her on the side of the ring like it's a big ordeal. Cue Shayna Baszler music. And the horsewomen come out, interrupt this uh, celebration. The one thing I wrote down that was memorable was uh, Shayna Baszler pointing to her and was like, you better back down. You're running out of limbs to rehab. Great heel statement. That music is powerful. Uh, she has her, uh, her goons behind her. And even though she doesn't need goons, everything about Shayna, ba Shayna Baszler... I think has officially grown on me. I love everything she does, and that promo was just adding to it. You're right. That's per fantastic heel work, and the delivery was so calm and cool. She she said it with such ease. She she kind of smirked and like scoffed at it and goes, huh, "All right," and then delivers the promo. So she belittled her and her comeback by the snap of her fingers. Shayna Baszler is big big potential and if they decide to call her up and do this you know whatever thing if she crosses paths with her buddy Rhonda guarantee the crowd gets really behind her instead of Rhonda I have a feeling they'll be together before their well, enemies that's how you set it up right. you have to do the four horsewomen against four horsewomen and then you could start you know having the dissension and the, the tension and stuff and I probably just use the wrong word but yeah you'll see them Later on, that's six, nine months down the road. But. And you see him are more excited about what could be over what is, because I don't know what is. Like, why are they worried with these, like, face jobbers, basically? But yeah. whatever. Uh, another filler match. Uh, Boa? B-O-A? Is that how you say Boa? Boa is the Mandarin Chinese guy who won the, like, China tryout when they did the tour for six days or something last year. I put in my notes, isn't he on 205 Live, question mark? He should be. He actually is a pretty good performer. He's the, not the huh, huh. No, huh that's one. Akira Tozawa. I know, that's so racist. I'm sorry, folks, but they're the same guy. Chinese and Japanese are not the same thing. But he wears the same type of shorts and he wrestles does. the same type of wrestling match. and ugh. So, Boa, huh. he... he huh. He would be great on 205 Live. He's a pretty, actually, decent talent. The problem is, he ran into Big Damo. Killian Dane came in and obliterated him. Just another squash match. Uh, there are some of the, you know, can David beat Goliath? No, he can't. He flipped around a little bit and Dane just caught him and killed him. So, uh, another filler match just to... Guess use up some time, so blah. Then we get to the main event. Pete Dunne, the bruiserweight, against Punishment Martinez, who is now going by Damian Priest. The announcers kept on match, uh, mentioning that he's the undefeated Damian Priest. I don't know how much he's wrestled to really point out that he's undefeated, because if you've only had one or two matches... I even mentioned that you're undefeated because that kind of doesn't matter. They they always announce after three matches you're undefeated. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of announcers, you know, one thing that started bugging me, and I know she's a rookie, so I'll maybe, you know, leave it alone, but Beth Phoenix kept on trying to jump in with contact, content, but she interrupted uh, Ronaldo a couple of times or, you know, either he stepped on her she stepped on him so i can hear her in the background trying to say something all of a sudden he starts screaming about something which is his way but she's better than renee young and better than uh, excalibur in AEW. so 
I'll just I'll make that hot take. See, right and my hot take is get rid of the three person. We just need two. There's Agreed. not enough room for three. Agreed. But anyway, um, Bruiserweight against Damian Priest. Good match. So Bruiserweight did his stuff where he was working the arm, working the fingers. Apparently, Damian Priest has a move where he uses his arm like a crossbow or something. Is at least what the announcer said. I don't know. I've never really seen him before much. Uh, he was working the arms. There was a lot of, you know, good moves, good false finishes. Uh, once again, I think sometimes you get to these points where you have such power moves that you could end a match there, but here you are kicking out. And sometimes you have one too many kickouts for a TV match. You may want to save those types of kickouts for pay-per-view or something more meaningful. Just a regular run-of-the-mill match on TV. Don't need to pull out all the stops and do all your shit and kick out of absolutely everything. You know, maybe tone it back a little bit. The only note I got is I remember seeing him in Ring of Honor. And I told... I was sitting next to L.A., LA or somebody it was LA maybe Alex Jen and I was like Vince is gonna love this guy of course I was drunk then funny enough a couple years later he's actually on WWE television in some form or fashion he's on NXT he looks good I don't like this hokey gimmick uh I don't know who the woman is uh she's really bad at trying to time in her interferences and he used the razor's edge as a setup move, but then ignored the setup part of the setup move. He he did the razor's edge and then he rolled out. I didn't I didn't get that, but you know, it was a solid match. Pete Dunne did exactly everything he needed to do. He's a professional. He puts on a clinic every time he's in the match. And you know, so you know, Pete Dunne kicked out of a liger bomb. Uh, it was some back and forth and reversals, so of course that cued the crowd to chant fight forever, fight forever. And then, you know, for, I guess, to protect Pete Dunn, the referee got caught in between the two of them. As the ref finally got out of the way, uh, Damian Priest hit uh, Pete Dunn with a kick to the balls. And from the balls, he did something called the Reckoning. And the reckoning led to the pin, and of course, uh, he got the win. Damien Priest beat Pete Dunne, and that was the main event of NXT. Well, I reckon he used heel tactics to win. <laughs> um, are there any closing statements? Well, we need to like pick who we feel, you know, won the night. Who went over overall for the two cards? I'm going to say NXT had two of the best matches of the entire night with that tag match and then with the Keith Lee match. Like, those alone are fantastic matches. But again, AEW had the key that NXT doesn't have, and that's that fan interaction it's that fan participation it's how fans respond and how much noise they're making to sell a story AEW is getting too quiet at certain times and it and it kills momentum that these matches have and i felt nxt had way too many matches tonight i'm gonna say AEW, despite having the weird wonky matches like the two tag matches for the tournament they had a quality tag match that was main event status. They had a world championship match that it didn't make sense to us, but you know it, it will deliver. It has Jericho in it. I'm going for AEW to go over. I got AEW winning week three. Week three, I also have AEW going over. Even with the squash matches they had, it still seemed to be the developing something and telling some story that we needed to hear and the crowd was more into it it just felt more important where I don't think if I missed all of this for NXT I would be fine not knowing anything of what happened 
or AEW, you know, I needed some of this to sort of understand where it's going, maybe just because it's new, but, you know, I have to subtract points for all the nothing matches NXT had, where it's just like, okay, I have development talent against more development talent, like that's further down the road. And that was just too much for, like, what you should have as a flagship show. If you're going to be trying to compete on this Wednesday, you can't have that many squash matches. Because at least on the AEW side, you know, the people getting squashed are still your, you know, main weekly talent. For the, you know, NXT people, I've never heard of. I don't know who they are. And I am not inclined to care. Yeah, if you want to have some of those upper echelon development talent that's like a Boa or um, like a Bianca Belair or something, like if you want someone there, to they could be the ones you squashed. Like if you're trying to have squash matches, to have them seem important because then it just keeps furthering a star because the star is beating down a name someone knows. Because see, if I was flipping back and forth, I would probably have stayed on AEW because it just seemed more important. It, yeah, that, Felt more important. that lighting, the lighting in the crowd alone gravitates your attention. And I love NXT. I'm, I'm a firm believer that the, the talent and the quality in the ring is 10 times better than AEW, but the crowd in the venue, NXT is at this point now, and I think I'm not going to apologize and make excuses for them. They're at this point now where they got to start packing their bags and moving around a little bit. I'm not telling them to do these big, massive arenas and try to, you know, you could do little... But just have a different crowd. Have a different... Because you think about NXT crowds are white hot when they're traveling. When they do those different shows, you see the videos. We've been to a couple of them. They're white hot. So they need to do that. Get out of Full Sail. Start traveling a little bit, please. And, you know, I wonder if the ratings keep on losing. Um, you know, is Vince going to fire Triple H? Because, you know, that seemed to be what got Eric Bischoff. I know that's not going to happen because, you know, he's fucked his daughter and they have a kid and all that good stuff. But, you know, maybe Vince will have to start taking over or something. I just think we start seeing the point where people are kind of lost in the shuffle on the main roster and they'll just develop or end up on NXT. Like, they might not even be an NXT superstar, but, you know, you get lost in the shuffle. Yeah, screw it. Bring them down. Put them on. Like, look at Finn Balor. Everyone's like, oh, well, Finn's NXT now. Maybe till after Royal Rumble. Come Mania season, he'll be back up on the main roster. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, speaking of ending things i guess it's time to wrap up this episode uh, our third episode of uh wrestling with wednesday uh make sure to tune in on uh friday night saturday morning for our usual 1334 show follow us on twitter at 1334 show follow me on twitter at at brian the brain tx do you have a plug nyquil <laughs> Advil PM, melatonin, uh, things that will make you sleep because you've watched too much wrestling on a very, very long Wednesday. You can follow me on Twitter at SPZ underscore 34. And then you could follow me. No, no, don't follow me there. Never mind. Just follow me on Twitter. So, it's bedtime, and it's time to put this episode to bed. See y'all next time.